gathered together once again on a Wednesday evening, and uh, good to see your faces on the Zoom this evening, and pray that God will bless each and every one that has gathered with us on Zoom, online, wherever you might be, may the Holy Spirit be with you and bless you, strengthen you, we're here to give the glory to Jesus, amen, praise God. Well, let's sing some glad morning. When this life is o'er, I got to sing this for Brother Marco because we uh, we were having a little chat before service, and we're just kind of getting tired of it down here. So we want to sing about a place where we're going. We're looking forward to that. Amen. Oh, well, some glad morning when this life is o'er.
sure wonderful to praise the Lord. We got something to sing about. We got something to praise about. We got something to shout about. Amen. Praise God. We've got a message like like nothing else. It's going to change our bodies. Matter of fact, it is changing our bodies from glory to glory. He's changing us. And the next hand you shake could be the hand of the Savior. Amen. Maybe we could sing that together. The next hand you shake will be the hand of the Savior. I'm not even sure what key it is. Oh, the next hand you shake could be the hand of the Savior. The next step you take could be on streets of purest gold. Oh, and your next could be the marriage supper and the next voice you hear it could be blessing let's sing that together oh the next hand you shake could be the hand of the Savior the next gathered along that table a thousand miles long at the marriage supper and our Savior will come walking by and saying well done my good and faithful servant don't you want to hear those words amen it's something that is just burning in our hearts we want to see our Lord we want to hear him say those words to us so God help us to be faithful and keep pressing on Keep plowing ahead, as our pastor told us at the start of the year. Amen. Tonight we want to go to prayer. And um, we just want to continue to remember our brother Ken Ardeal. The COVID virus is uh, an evil from the pits of hell. And it attacks the body in a in a fierce way. And, and uh, some long-lasting effects, but we just believe that our Savior has already paid for His healing. And for the many that are afflicted around the world, we just want to remember them tonight and each and every need. We don't want to forget the needs of our brothers and sisters and brother Jesus Christ. Let's just go to prayer tonight. Maybe we could stand together if you're, if you're able. And we'll just bow before the Lord and and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. We just want to say that we love you, Lord Jesus. And we're so thankful, O God, that you 
are very near and present. And so much so that you said you'd never leave us or forsake us, Father. Lord, we are so thankful for your great and precious promises. That you're a friend, Lord, that sticketh closer than a brother, Lord God. Tonight, Father, we're just entering into this service, Lord, to praise you, to worship you, Lord. To create an atmosphere that when your word comes forth, O God, that, O God, our hearts could receive what you have in store for us, Lord. Father, that it would find fruitful ground, O God. And, Lord, the seed, the word seed that's ministered tonight, O God, through our brother Tim, as he would come, Lord. Let it find that fruitful ground in our hearts, Lord, and bring forth that, that bountiful crop, Lord Jesus. O God. Have your way, Lord. You are the sower, O God, and we are the field, Lord Jesus. May that word just come forth tonight and be sown into our hearts, O Lord Jesus. The word, O God, sown, Lord, and then believed upon and watered by prayer, O God. O Lord Jesus, and that's when it brings forth, Father. Help us to believe, O God. Help us to just stand upon your word, Lord. Increase our faith, O God. To hold on to every word, Lord. To hold on to every promise, O God. Though the winds of hell, Lord, blow against us, Father. The very gates of hell are against us, Lord. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, O God. But the anchor holds, Lord Jesus. Oh, we are so thankful, O God. You are that tie post, Lord Jesus. You are the word manifested in our lives, O God. That just holds us strong and sure father lord jesus tonight we want to bring our brother ken before you lord lord would you meet his needs father would you drive out all inflammation father all whatever is infected lord jesus in his lungs lord clear the air sacks oh god let the man breathe freely lord jesus take away the cough oh god whatever is bothering him lord jesus may you just flood his very being oh god with the healing waters from Calvary, O Lord Jesus. Grant it, Father God, we pray. Raise him up, Lord God. Strengthen him, Father. Heal him, O God. Lord, there's so many that have been affected by this virus, Lord. We pray for each and every one, Lord. Your children around the world, O God. There's churches that have lost their pastors, O God. There's churches that have lost leaders, Lord, and loved ones, Father. God, would you meet their need tonight, O Father? Supply the need, O Lord Jesus. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, but we will fear no evil, for thou art with us, Lord. Thy rod and thy staff, they strengthen us, Father. Oh, be with your people, O God. Be with your people, Father. Be with us tonight here, Lord. We just, we're just setting ourselves aside, O oh God, to, to walk with you, Lord, to commune and fellowship with you, Father. Anoint our brother Tim, Lord, as he would speak, Father. Oh, Jesus, let your word go forth and heal your people tonight, we pray. In Jesus Christ's holy name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> In everything, give thanks. In everything, give Him thanks. 
let's worship Him and sing that once more. Oh, everything, give Him thanks, give Him thanks, in everything, give Him thanks, in the good times, praise His name, in the bad times, have your seats tonight. God bless you. Appreciate everyone that's participating tonight. Amen. We're going to sing one more song and I think we'll sing There's Going to Be a Meeting in the Air and I'll ask our brother Tim to come. We won't sing the whole song, just a few verses, a couple verses maybe. And I just, I'm, I'm in the I believe we just need to rejoice together. We're in, a, we're in a very, very dark time, but we're in a golden age. And the rapture is upon us. The stage is set to go. Amen. Just got to get our things in order. The boxcar all straightened out, ordered up. The doors sealed. The train set to go. It's in the blocks. Amen. There's going to be a meeting in the air and it's upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm looking forward to seeing loved ones that have gone on. Amen. One day we'll see them. And we'll say, hey, wasn't that so-and-so? Amen. That's going to be a wonderful time. Hallelujah. Let's start with verse 1. You have heard of little Moses in the bulrush. You have heard I should like to meet them all I do declare. 
the doubters will be me There the doubters will be I'm not, I skipped halfway through the verse. Let's go to the beginning of that verse. Amen. Is that the beginning? All right. There the doubters will be missing altogether. All the skeptics will be absent on that day. There will be no grumbling present to disturb us. What a thought. And the Akins will be busy far away. Oh, there the seats will have a seal upon their wonderful. God's own son will be the leading one. Imagine Jesus getting up there and saying, let's all sing this song. <laughs> Glory. What a wonderful thing. All the song leaders will go, praise God. Now a real song leader. All the preachers will say, praise the Lord. Now a real preacher. You know, it'll be glorious. And we'll be looking forward. We are looking forward to that. But we're ga- glad to be gathered tonight in the presence of the Lord, both here and thank you for opening up your home through the video feed and and uh, as you're being as we're being streamed into your home may the presence of the lord be very present there amongst you excuse me if i look from side to side i have a very big screen in front of me so i i uh there's lots of different faces and so god bless you each and every one good to be in the house of the lord i just want to say a couple of things before we turn to the word thank you that's that's all the singing that we will do. Thank you, Brother Ben. You can take your Bibles. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 32 while I make a couple of announcements. One is uh, uh, young people's this Friday night at 7 o'clock. There'll be an online meeting for young people this Friday night at 7 o'clock. And I'm sure you know uh, how to log into that. If you don't, you can contact the office here for that meeting. And uh, we're very thankful for the opportunity. I'm very thankful for, I have young people still, uh, and I'm very thankful for the work that the brothers, Brother Michael and everyone that participates in the young people's meetings, it's a blessing. And we appreciate that very much. Uh, we want to uh, take tonight and, and just want to uh, just deal continually uh, I want to just continue on from the last service I preached, which was the maturity of good and evil. Um, but uh, I want to speak tonight on the power poured into maturity. And, and certainly many comments uh, from not just locally, but around the world 
uh, regarding that service. And so we, we are appreciative that it was a blessing. And so glad that God deemed it important to have his prophet speak on these things. As Brother Tom said on Sunday, without the message, what would we preach? You know, we're, we're really just preaching what's already been revealed. Almost exhorting the church, bringing, stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Every minister uh, is anointed of the Lord to get into the word and to bring out an aspect of the revelation according as God deals with him and his gift. So we try to be ourselves. I try not to be Brother John or Brother Tom or Brother Murphy or Brother Michael or Brother Ernie or Brother Ken. And while well, we have a lot of ministers But you know, I was thinking, Brother Tom, how, what a place it is to be to think about that God would lead us individually to speak His Word. Who are we? You know, who are we? What, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? The scripture says. And I was thinking that as I was studying, you know, who am I that, that God would inspire me in a certain direction in his word for his people. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, uh, well, we are what we are by the grace of God. We, we give him all the glory. And I do have to apologize though, uh, for a comment that I made last time I spoke. And, uh, uh, it appears that some were offended about my comment about making notes or taking notes. And, uh, and I, I didn't want, I didn't mean to offend my elders to make them think I was calling them an antique or a dinosaur. That was not the objective of the comment, uh, of how that, you know, I said that if you, it, it's, it's up, and really it's up to you if you write notes. Far be it for me to tell anybody to write notes or don't write notes. I make notes in the service. And, uh, certainly there are, uh, if you want to shout, I want you to shout. If you want to say amen, I want you to say amen. If you want to raise your hands, if you want to stand up, you want to give God glory, we want you to do as the Lord leads you to do. But so oftentimes or numerous times I've had, and this is where the comment came from, I've had people say to me, Brother Tim, I'm writing notes as fast as I can, and you're preaching so fast, I can't keep up to you. And so, so it's to those people that I'm saying, just put your pens down and just watch the service and you can go back and watch it afterwards in the video. And I certainly didn't mean to offend any of you elderly people, uh, that are used to writing notes. Uh, Brother Ken, good to see you. God bless you. Good to have you with us. Amen. So let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 32. Uh, I see brother, I heard brother Ken was not, um, hundred percent still struggling. You know, this body, the Bible says, brother Branham said actually that God will make your body line up with your confession. And the Bible says if the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. But the Bible also says the flesh warreth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. The flesh does not want to agree with the spirit, but it doesn't have a choice. So sometimes it, it, it's slow in catching up to our revelation, but it's got to come. 
And one day this body is going to catch up to the revelation that we're not of this world. And this mortal will take on immortality. And this corruption will take on incorruption. And will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And so we're looking forward to that. And we're expecting that, that as the word comes into our lives, that it will produce the promise that God has promised that it will. Um, and so today, as we turn to Genesis, I'm, I'm actually going to give you my whole thought right to start. I mean, this is my entire thought. So as I'm preaching, this is what I'm speaking about. Because as I spoke about an anointing upon the age, falling upon the just and the unjust, but in that anointing, there is a revelation that is only given to the elect. The anointing falls upon the age. But the word is only open to the elect. So let's read together from Genesis chapter 32. I'm sorry, I didn't even turn to it while I'm talking. Genesis 32 and verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall no more, shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel or Peniel, Peniel, I'm not sure how you say it. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we reverently and in humility approach you this evening in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that wherever two or three are gathered, that you are there in the midst of them. And even while I look at the screen, I see some that are alone. But Lord, you said that your angel is encamped about those that fear you. And Lord, we thank you And we know, Father, that you are still the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You are the one that knows every need. You are the one, O God, that is able to reveal the secrets through your word into every life. So won't we invite you? Won't you come, Lord, and and just take the service the way, the direction that you want it to go? We study, Lord, and we're so thankful for the time that we can spend in the Word. We're thankful, Lord, for the the opportunity to stand behind the sacred desk. But we do so with great, uh, maybe nervousness is not the right word, but Lord, with very much carefulness, knowing, Lord, that we are speaking to those that you valued more than your own blood. That, Lord, when you came in flesh, you gave up your blood, that these lives could be redeemed. And Lord, these are very valuable to you. And so we respectfully ask, O Father, that you'll just take this service and make it something special to the individual, Father. 
Not just some thought or not just some idea, but Lord, something that is real and supernatural. For a word from you, when Jacob wrestled, it was a word from you that changed the atmosphere. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll just take our lives, take our thoughts, take everything under subjection to the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. If you're standing, you may be seated. If you're seated, you may remain there. Amen. Now, as we spoke about good and evil coming to maturity, uh, and as I say, there is something that is being released in this hour that I'll say the evil cannot catch. Now, as I spoke last time, I spoke about the tares and the wheat, and, and Jesus actually didn't call them evil. And I don't mean to call everybody that doesn't believe this message as being evil. That's not the intent. But rather Jesus called them tares. But he also said about them that they will be gathered. The angels will gather all those that offend and do iniquity. Alright, so it's not that he specifically said they're evil, but he said they will be gathered together and they'll be cast into a furnace of fire where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Why do people gnash their teeth? It's not just the pain, but it's the anguish. Maybe the anguish at a missed opportunity or the anguish at a wrong decision like the rich young ruler when he was when he fell down into the pits of hell because he had an opportunity when he came to Jesus and he said good master what must i do to obtain eternal life and and Jesus said you know you know the commandments and he said well these things i've done and then Jesus said well he says go and take all that you have and give it to the poor and come and take up your cross and follow me because Jesus could discern the specific need with the complexes and the ideas that this man's mind had been molded. He knew his stumbling place. Each one of us is weak in different areas of our lives. And so God knows exactly what we need specifically. And there's something in the word for you specifically. Something that will deal with you personally something that you know it's God speaking to you and God was speaking to him but he the Bible says he went away sad and then as he went away sad the Bible says that brother Branham brings it together and, and says you know he became rich and he retired early and his barns were full and he had so much and he says I'll just take my ease now thinking that life was all about this life now I'm, I'm going to come back to this thought a little bit later but I want you to realize that as, they, as he's living in this world, he's thinking, I've really made it. I own a lot of things. I, I, I got everything that a man could attain. I got everything that I could want. Everything is just easy now. And I'll just take my ease and I'll just enter into my retired life. And I'll do the things that I always wanted to do. And I'll enjoy the things that I always wanted to enjoy. And the Lord speaks to him and says, thou fool. This day thy soul shall be required of thee. Because he hadn't made the right choice. That's why when he went down into the regions of the lost, there was weeping. There was gnashing of teeth. There was great regret at the decision that he had made in the wrong direction. So now that we realize in the world that there is two crops growing. 
Jesus said, the field is the world and, and the two crops are growing. And, but these two crops now have come both to the time of the harvest or the time of maturity. And Brother Branham picks up a thought about character in the Smyrnian church age. And he says, and this is a, a something that's familiar with us, but I want to take both sides of it. He says, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. He picks it up out of Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. He says, the reason for this is that character simply is never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. Okay, so now Brother Branham's, this principle we understand, and I'm sure we're well taught on this principle. But then he says, a man without character cannot reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. So there you have in a synopsis both seeds. You have both the tares and the wheat. You have the tares that have grown up without the character that is necessary to rule. And anything that has that attains to power in this age that does not have the character of the word is satanic. That's why a prophet of God would stand and say, identify all the powerful things in this age. He says, education is of the devil. He say, politics is of the devil. Every government in the world is controlled by the devil. And he go down the list of all of these things, the power of influence. And we see that, uh, you know, uh, they have this term in this hour called influencers. That's a terrible term. And I think it has to do with social media. I'm not on social media anywhere. Praise the Lord. But, you know, nevertheless, it's, it's, I think, out there in social media, and they have this in-term influencer. And every time I hear, hear that term, it grates me. It just grates me. Who are they influencing, and where are they influencing them? I want to be an influencer for the Holy Spirit tonight. I want to be somebody that's bringing the right kind of influence in life. But but all of these things, Brother Branham identifies, whether it be Hollywood or all of these kind of things, they are of the devil. But there is a people, power with character, that is fit to rule. That's your identification right there. And I hope you can say amen to there. You can put your name right in that place. You might not feel like it. You might not think very highly of yourself. Like the woman said, I, I, I know I'm not what I ought to be. And I know I'm not what I want to be. But I'm not what I used to be. But I'll go a step further than that. What I am is promised in the word of God. That's my identification. That's what's influencing my life. I want every day that I live to be drawn closer to the image of the Word. That's why I stay under the ministry of the Word. Whether I'm listening to a tape, whether I'm reading a Bible, whether I'm listening to a service, all of these things. Ephesians chapter 4 is to take the body till they come to the, the fullness of the revelation of the Son of God, till they come into the fullness of the measure of the stature of a perfect man, till they come to a church that edifies itself together in love all of these identifications that are in the church because it's God doing it within our lives amen brother Branham picks up the thought of the two seeds here in in uh, does God change his mind about his word in 1965 and he's he, he starts with the subject of revelation and he says Jesus one day coming off the mount he said to his disciples who do men say that I the son of man am and I'm sure we're well, familiar with that scripture, Matthew chapter 
16 and 17 there. And he, he, and of course they say this, that, and the other. And I'm just going to skip a little bit here. And then Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven... Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell can't prevail against it. And then he makes a statement, spiritual revealed word of God. That's what the church is built on. He says, now notice, Abel, by faith in God, offered a more excellent sacrifice. And the carnal believer thought that it was the works of his own hand and his fruits and his beautiful offering that he brought that God would recognize. Then he makes a statement. And it made a clash. It made a clash, he says. He says, when the carnal and the spiritual meets, there's always a clash. When Judas and Jesus met, there was a clash. One the son of God, the other the son of Satan. Just like Cain and Abel. There was a clash when they met. One of them was the treasure of the church, the other one a pastor. He says, now we come to this day to the same thing again, the carnal denomination to the spiritual bride of Christ. The spiritual bride of Christ is so different from denomination, he says, from the carnal organizations, excuse me, till there's no comparison in them at all. Are you hearing me? He says there's the bride, what the bride has is so different from carnal organizations, there's no comparison in them at all. All right. He says, he says, I believe, then he goes to Esau and Jacob, which is our subject tonight. I believe that Esau actually was a better man than Jacob in the sight of men. Okay. He tried to take care of his daddy, who was blind, a prophet, and all these things that he tried to do. But yet Esau didn't think about that being just carnal work. He thought he could get in by what he done, do something good for somebody, which was all right. But Jacob, the whole soul was to get that birthright. Notice that now. That mattered to him more than anything, Brother Branham says. That's what God recognized in him spiritual. I must have the spiritual. See, sometimes we can get, well, not sometimes. The devil wants us to get so caught up in the natural. He wants us to get up in a natural conduct of life and a natural thing. That's why when we fall short and we make mistakes, the devil likes to condemn us because he tries to make our Christianity something natural. But Jacob was full of mistakes. He was a man that had had ideas that was not pleasing to his daddy. It was not pleasing to Esau. And Esau wanted to kill him. And, and even not pleasing to his uncle Laban. And all kinds of things. All kinds of things that Jacob did. But he had one thing in his mind. And God had honor to that. I must have the birthright. Amen. I, I get so preaching. I feel like. Where's the amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I trust you're there. Amen. You can wave if you want. Amen. He says, Brother Bradham goes on, he says, that's what God recognized in him, the spiritual. Then he says, 
It always caused the natural to hate the spiritual. So if you're spiritual, you can be prepared for the natural to hate you. Is that all right? If you're going to be spiritual, if you're going to be after the things of God, if you're going to be after the eternal, if you're going to be desirous of that which is supernatural, if you're going to desire to walk close to God, the world won't understand you. That's why Brother Branham says, as Jesus was a mystic to the world, the bride becomes a mystic to the world. You can't help yourself because God made you that way. He says... It caused Cain to hate Abel, it caused Korah to hate Moses, it caused Judas to hate Jesus, and on and on it goes. It causes the natural to hate the spiritual, just as Cain at the beginning hated Abel, the one that God had received the sacrifice from, and and then he says, and tries to destroy them. How about the natural trying to destroy the spiritual? They try to destroy the influence. They try to destroy everything Because it's nothing but jealousy. It started in Cain and proved that it was jealousy. And it's the same thing today when the natural, the carnal, and the spiritual meet together. That's why it's no surprise, and I was thinking about this, it's no surprise when when people leave the message and become adamant opponents to the message. You don't see when people leave the Baptist church become opponents to the Baptist church. Or you don't see people leave the Pentecostal church become opponents to the Pentecostal church or the Presbyterian or Methodist or whatever more it might be. But when the carnal leaves the spiritual, it has to create a jealousy and the jealousy creates a clash. They're identifying who they are and they're identifying who you are. They hate you. I'm sorry if that offends you, but they hate you. Why? Because God has accepted your sacrifice. It's nothing that you did of your own self. It's nothing that you taught yourself. It's nothing that you understood yourself. But God poured his revelation out to you, showing that he has accepted your sacrifice, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, to the believer, to the elect, it just works. There's really no other way to explain it. Well, how, how does it work, Brother Tim? I can't explain it to you. It just works. We just believe him and God does the rest. We just believe the promise of the word and God brings it to pass. It's faith in the promise. That's why the Bible says about Abel, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. It wasn't, it wasn't a great understanding that he had. It was the faith that God had deposited Within him. One of the things that happened now. As Jacob come to the river. And wrestled with the man. Was that his name was changed. All right. Brother Branham we know goes into that in many messages. In many different ways. The importance of a name. And the change of a name. But you don't ever see an unbeliever's name being changed. You don't ever see Jesus identifying an unbeliever by a different name because it's not for them. It's something that's unique to the elect of God. Because a name, the new name represents something. We know in Jacob it represented something. 
As a prince, you have power with God and with man. And there are realities that come with that new name. And uh, I'm not going to preach extensively on the new name here, but there's some principles here. Brother Branham, in the first seal, he says, every time a victory is won or something goes on, a name is changed. All right. So Brother Branham is identifying the changing of the name signified an event, signified a victory, signified something that a, that happened in a person's life. It didn't just come along like Jesus saying to Peter, "Who do men say that I am?" Uh, and uh, that and, and and Simon answers and says, "You know, thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And and Jesus said, "I send to you, thou art Peter." See, there was something there that Peter had caught. And it was significant enough that Jesus identified something more to him. That there, he called him a little stone, which, re, which had representation that this was a confession and a representation in the sight of God. And it didn't matter whether it was, uh, 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 we know Jacob turning to Israel or Paul, Saul turning to Paul. Or, or different ones in the Bible. So there's, you know, even till we could, you know, talk about David and Solomon and how David had Solomon and God sent his prophet to David. You can call him Solomon if you want, but I call him Jedediah, which means my beloved. And, and so, so there's a, God is identifying something in here and, and you don't, but I, I want to stress, you don't earn a new name. Okay. You don't earn a new name. But rather, your character brings you to a further revelation of who you are. All right? Now, Brother Branham picks it up in the Pergamian age, in the church age book. And he says, it says here that he's going to give the overcomer a white stone. And in, not on the stone, a new name. Which the owner alone knows. Now, anytime you want to... Talk about a stone. A stone is a confession. All right. So in the confession, there's a new name. So there's something about a person's confession, not just a revelation, but a confession. There was something in the sacrifice that Abel made. It wasn't just the revelation he had, but the revelation that he had had to take manifestation in his worship towards God. He had to walk in the revelation that God had given him. Same with Peter coming down from the mountain. Jesus saying who? And, and Peter says, thou art the Christ. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father which is in heaven has revealed it to you. But though it was a revelation, it had to be confessed. And Jesus was giving him an opportunity of a confession. Now he says... He says, a white stone, and in the white stone, a new name, which the owner alone knows. He says, now the idea of a new name is familiar one. And he goes through Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul. He said, these names either brought about a change or were given because of a change. It was only after Abram and Sarai had their name changed by the Lord that they were ready to receive the coming son. In Jacob's case, he had to overcome. And when he was called, then he was called rather a prince. In the case of Simon and, and Saul, they had to receive the Lord. They're, when they had received the Lord, rather, their change came. Now he says, and today, each one of us true believers has had a change in name. We are Christians. 
It is a name common to all of us, but one day we will have another change. We will of a certainty receive a new name. It could well be that name was our true and original name written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. All right. So Brother Branham takes this thought of a new name, which only comes in the event of a special circumstance or victory, and says the believer receives this name at, at a, a certain point in time. He says he knows the name, but we do not. One day at his good pleasure, we will know also. All right. So I could go a step further on the name. Because Brother Branham talks in one other channel of a new name. And I, these are just principles here. And that he talks about the new name of Jesus. And in the first seal again, he talks about how that the white horse rider under the first seal, how that he was, uh, he didn't have a name. But he says when Jesus comes on a white horse and refers to Revelation 19, it says, and I'll maybe read it here. He says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he he had, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. So now Brother Branham picks this up, and I'm, and you have to be very careful with this because some people have misused this statement that Brother Branham makes in the first seal. And he says, his, his name on earth was Redeemer, Jesus. When he was on the earth, he was the Redeemer. That's true. But when he conquered death and hell and overcome them and ascended on high, he received a new name. And that's the reason they holler the way they do and don't get nothing. It'll be revealed in the thunders. Now, what does that Brother Branham mean by it'll be revealed in the thunders. Because at this point in time, in the first seal, he does not have a complete revelation and picture of what the thunders are. But after the preaching of the seals, and in, I believe it's anointed ones at the end tile, he says, he says the, and remember the seals, or the thunders rather, or sort of questions and answers, the, th- the, the seals, I got to get this right, the thunders were the mysteries that were contained or revealed in the seals. All right? So in the beginning of the seals, he's looking forward to the thunders, not realizing he's right in the middle of it. But then after the seals, he can answer. He says, now the thunders was what was revealed in the seals. And the reason I say that is this, is because in those thunders, Brother Branham says, is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says it's a new name that's revealed. So then who is it revealed to? It's only revealed to them that can catch the mystery of the seals. It's not for everybody. It's not for the world. But rather it's hidden under those mysteries. But those that are ordained to catch those mysteries will catch the revelation of Jesus Christ. That had never been revealed before. That's why Brother Branham picking up on the seventh seal titles it Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Who's it revealed to? It's revealed to the elect. Can you say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. 
I think we got something to praise the Lord about. My little boy, you know, he, he lost his train. And uh, he, he has a little wooden track on his, that he got for Christmas uh, for a, just a little present there. And he's got this little wooden track and you can push a train around on it. Well, my wife bought him a battery-operated train. So it, it, you can turn it on and it just goes around on this little wooden track. And so he really enjoyed that. He's three years old. And, but he lost it. And a couple of days ago, my wife was telling me, he says, she says, he found it underneath the couch. It had found its way under the couch as children's toys are apt to do. And, uh, he pulled it out and he turned the on switch on and he says, it still works. Praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so he was excited that his train was still working and he was praising the Lord. Well, we got something more to be excited about. Amen. It's more than just a train working, but this train is bound for glory. The one we're on. Amen. We're, we got something to be excited about tonight. Hallelujah. In other words, the revealing of Jesus Christ is only for the elect lady, the bride of Jesus Christ. Okay. So Jacob comes to the river and he's wrestling with the man. He calls him a man. The Bible says it's a man. And so Jacob's wrestling there and he's uh, he's in a pressure situation. The pressure of the situation has almost overwhelmed him. He's done everything that he could do. He sends a gift ahead to Esau. You know the story. He, he divides the company into two parts, thinking, well, if one gets destroyed, the other one will survive or vice versa. He sends his family over across lastly, and he's now waiting at the river. He's racking his mind what he can do. He's in this great pressure of this situation. And he's tried to figure everything out. But now he, he wrestles with this supernatural being called a man. It's an angel. It's more than an angel. He says it's God himself. God coming down in flesh. You know, sometimes people have to wrestle with that reality. Great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifested in the flesh. It wasn't just a man. It was God declaring himself in his redemptive purpose towards humanity. There's things that, that, that are hard to wrestle out in our mind. You might think about the eternity of God. Where did God come from? Science can't wrestle it out. You know, they can't figure out, well, where, where, if God existed, where did He begin from? And where did He come from? If the universe came from somewhere, what was before the universe? They're, the wrestling in their mind and, and, and it, sin, where does sin come from? And, and, and how does that come into existence? And why is there sin if God is a good God? And why is there sickness if God is a good God? And there's all of these things that, that in the human mind are hard to reconcile. And Jacob in his human understanding was trying to reconcile what is the best way now to deal with my present circumstances. And so he's, he comes to this situation and then in the midst of this overwhelming event that's happening in his life, an angel appears. 
a supernatural being appears. And Jacob begins to wrestle with this man. Now it's not just that he's got a situation he's wrestling with. Now he's wrestling with God himself. Now he's wrestling with a supernatural being and he's, and he's, something's moving him and I'm sure Jacob himself didn't even understand it at the time as he's holding on to this angel and this angel is saying, yo, you gotta let me go. It's becoming daylight. And Jacob says, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. And the, and the man blesses him and says, you're, you're actually not Jacob. Your name is actually Israel. There's something that takes place in this circumstance that the angel now reveals the name of Jacob, his real name to him. You're not actually Jacob. See, a lot of times in the wrestling, it takes a hard circumstance. It takes a difficult time. It takes a great trial. It takes something very difficult because like it did with Job, it took something very extreme to get a further revelation into his life. It's not really the way you understand it. Job, you've got to understand that that though a man goes into the ground, he will rise again. You've got to come to a revelation that though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in your flesh you shall see God. And God was determined to get that into Job. And God was determined to get it into Jacob. You're not really Jacob. That's the name your parents gave you. That's the way men look at you. Your uncle thinks you're a Jacob. He thinks you're a supplanter. Everybody thinks there's something wrong with you. You left your family for the message. You left your family to to follow this God that you claim that you're following. You forsook everything else. And in man's eyes, you're nothing but God's taking you through something. God is revealing your name was always on the Lamb's book of life. And it's not what they think of you on the earth, but it's the thoughts that God has of you. Oh, we could go to Jeremiah, how that God spoke to Jeremiah and says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. I know the thoughts. And what I, but that's not important enough. I know them, but I want you to know them. Hallelujah. God wants you to know without a doubt the thoughts that he has of you. And so the angel says to Jacob, he says, you're not Jacob. You're Israel. You're a prince. And you have power with God and men. That had such an impact in Jacob's life. As the angel put his hip out of joint, out of joint, and he walked different. But as he, as the angel touched him, It had such an impact in his life that it changed his entire attitude towards life. Before it was I, as I said last time, I, I, I. But now it's the Lord has dealt graciously with me. Before it's what can I do? But now it's it doesn't matter as long as he's in control. I know he's in control. Before he walked as a Jacob, Now he walks as an Israel. You say, what can change a man like that? A revelation from God. A revelation of what's written in the Lamb's book of life. Brother Adam says in several places about Jacob, I'll, I'll read a few. He says, you have to believe in grace if you read Jacob's life. You have to see it was election and calling. Because oh, the things that fellow did. But yet God had blessed him. All right. Everybody who has never made a mistake, please turn your video feed off. 
Why don't you just turn your feet off? You don't need this service if you've never made a mistake. You can just hit the off button and go do whatever you want to do. No, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same place. You have to believe in grace. Amen? You have to believe in the grace of God. We look back over our lives. I look back over my life. You look back over your life. My daughter tells me they put this camera here for me. Because sometimes I turn around and say, is there a camera back here? And there is now. Because <laughs> I don't want to look at the screen. But you know what? We're all in the same boat together. We were all Jacobs before we were born again. We were all supplanted. We were all trying to figure life out. We were all trying to walk on our own. And we still have a flesh that tries to lead us that way. I'll, I'll maybe carry on what Brother Branham says here. He says, but yet God had blessed him. God has blessed you. I, every day, I don't think there's a day that goes by under this nonsensical COVID restrictions of a people that are so fearful. I, 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 there isn't a day that goes by, but what I don't thank God for the blessings that I enjoy. I thank God for all that He's done in my life. I thank God for all that He's given me. I thank God for the meal that He puts on the table. I'm sorry if that's too simple for you. You know, even, even when we order in, because you can't go to restaurants now, even when we order in, what do they call it, delivery, skip the dishes, whatever they call it, even when you order something delivered or you go pick something up, I just say, Lord, thank you that I can even afford this. I say, what, what, what? What kind of a blessing have you blessed me with? And, and his blessing, you know, did we deserve it? No, it's his grace. He's blessed you. Amen. I could just, just even looking at the names, the faces that are on the screen and the names that are on the screen. God has blessed you. You know, sometimes the devil tries to get us comparing with somebody else and say, well, you know, they got more than you or, or they're doing better than you are. Who says they're doing better? God has blessed you. God has given you what he's given you. Be thankful for what you have. Never look at what you don't have. Now that's, that might be, that might be something that would end up being a stumbling block to you. That God didn't allow you to have it in. But look at what you have. Praise be to God. Above all, as brother Nathan said in the song service, what a message we have. What a revelation we have. Every answer lays within the opening of this word. Everything that you have need of for your life lays right in that word. I, I, I want to get to there tonight if we can. He says God had blessed him. God had told him what was going to happen. So he called him. But you notice after he wrestled with this angel, things began to look different. Amen. Another place he says, on one side of the river one night, a big, strong backslider. On the next morning, on the other side of the river, a limping prince. He had wrestled with God. Another place he says, when the angel of the Lord touched Jacob, he walked different from then on. He was a big, fine, running coward on one side, but a limping prince on the other side of the brook. Amen. He found out that he was weak on this earth, but he had power with God and man. He wasn't, he couldn't fit in with the age. Jesus himself said 
the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of the kingdom. Don't try and compare your wisdom with the children of this age. Don't try and compare your knowledge with the children of this age. I'm weak in this world, but God has chosen the weak things. To confound the things that are mighty. God has chosen the things that are despised. To confound the things that are valued. God has done this in our midst. God chose you for a purpose. But that place Brother Branham says he was afraid to meet his brother. So he got down to business before he crossed Jordan. And he prayed all night. And he wrestled with the Lord. And he wrestled all night. And he said I'll not let you go. I like that. Hold on to him he says. That's right, stay all night with him. Andrew did. Stay all night with him. He wrestled with the angel all night. And the angel said, it's coming daylight. I must leave. See, Brother Tom talked about George Mueller. I remember reading about George Mueller's life. That was his testimony. It wasn't he figured out who to ask. He didn't figure out who had the money. He didn't figure out who would be the best donor. No, he asked God. God, if this is you, you got to provide for it. If you're in missions, you got to provide for it. If you're in the orphanage, you got to provide for it. If you're in this church, you got to provide for it. Are you with me? Amen. It's got to be God laying on somebody's heart. It's not us trying to figure out how to maneuver it and how to arrange it and how to do things. It's God. And when it's God, that's the blessed part of it. Amen. I can say that with all my heart. I'll just say it for a testimony. You know, uh, in the April, May of this year, uh, the mission side of things was looking pretty bleak. I I was scared to talk to the trustees lest they uh, think little of me because we were, uh, uh, how shall we say, uh, scratching below the surface, maybe might be the right way to say it. And, and you know, funds were uh, in, in short supply. And I, and I just, I knew that, that we were going into a deficit position and th- by commitments we had made and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I just got down before the Lord and I said, Lord, it's up to you. If you're in this, then you got to lay it on somebody's heart. And if you're not in it, then so be it. I'll, I'll find some work somewhere else. That's, that's all right. And so, uh, uh, God just came on the scene within that month, even before the end of that month, that, that, that a, uh, a brother stepped up to the plate and he wasn't alone. There was many, but in particular, this one brother got a hold of us and said, Hey, you know, I, God just laid it on my heart to just give something to missions. And it was that one donation that brought us out of the hole. And then from there, there was another donation and another donation. And people, what was that? That wasn't me standing up here saying, please give, please give, please give. Amen. You never heard that from me. What was it? That was God laying it on people's hearts. If God laid it on your heart, you might think, well, my little donation, you know, I asked sister Megan, I says, give me a total of donations less than a hundred dollars. I said, just give me a total monthly for the last couple months of donations less than $100. And it amounted up to over $5,000 a month. 
of donations less than $100. You think your little donation doesn't matter? Your little donation matters. Somebody, and, and, it, and when I say less than 100, there's donations for 50, there's donations for 20, there's donations for 10. We are all a part of it. The widow with two mites will get a great reward on the other side. And every believer that gives a nickel, and I'll just say this for the glory of God, it turned out that 2020 was the best year we ever had. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we, we just thank God for that. It's not about the money. But the fact that God's in something, God will provide. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know how I got on that in that subject, but I'm sure that's for somebody. We just thank God for all that he's done. Wrestle with him. That's how he got it. George Mueller asking God, wrestle with him. Stay all night if you got to. Just stay there. Hold on to the promise. God makes a promise real to you. Hold on to that promise. Uh, I'm I'm personally not real big on... Uh, on uh, uh, how should we say? I, I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles. But I'm not real big on everything has to be a miracle. You know, the angel of the Lord told Brother Branham when he was early in the ministry, don't have miracle lines. Because it'll decrease the people's faith. It'll come to pass that it'll get to the place where the people won't believe unless they see a miracle. But not all healing is miracles. I hope you're, I think we're, we're taught well enough to understand that. Not all healing is miracles. God made the promise and you hold on to the promise. You hold the vision of yourself well in front of you and you walk towards that vision. Brother Branham says if your hand is crippled and you can't move your finger but just a, just a tiny bit today, move it just a little bit more tomorrow. And move it just a little bit more the day after that. And maybe the day after that you can move two fingers and so on and so forth. That's faith going into action. You're wrestling with God. I'm holding on to the promise. Lord, it's your word. Your word cannot fail. Heavens and earth will pass away. But God's word will never fail. Hallelujah. That's the promise of God. He said, Brother Brown talking about Jacob. He says, I'll not let you go. I want something in me that's different. I want something in me that'll change me. And you notice as soon as the Lord blessed him, the blessing that he's asked for, he was ready to cross the river and go see his brother. If he had just said, hey, leave me alone now, I'm tired. See, the blessing would have never come. In other words, if he had just given up. If he had just said, you know what? This is too much. There's no, no. Don't ever give up. Hold on. Don't hold on to a church. Don't hold on to a man. Hold on to the promise. When God makes the promise real to you, you hold on to that promise. Though heavens and earth pass away, though you pass away, though everything in your life pass away, God must honor His Word. Excuse me for pointing at you, but that's, that's a reality. He says... The blessing would have never come. He'd have never been there, but he stayed all night. He wrestled with him all night, then was ready to go meet his brother the next morning. That experience, what an experience. I've had lots of experiences like that. I'm not saying like wrestling with a man. I'm just saying times where you have to hold on to the promise. I'm sure you've all had that. If you haven't, maybe you're too young to really know it. But I'll say, you'll have those times. God wants you to have those times. Because it's not just, 
It's not just accepting the promise. It's a recognizing of who you are. You know, it's, it's a further revelation in your life of what your name is because your name is a description of the character and makeup of your person. It's describing who you are in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, it's describing what the thoughts of God are towards you. And that's what God's doing in tearing back the seals to you personally. He's revealing who you are in His sight. Oh my, I gotta go to David, because I know I'm not gonna be able to cover everything here. But you know, David, uh, oftentimes when we look at life in our own eyes, we see what David saw in Psalm 51. You know, Psalms 51, the, the prophet came to David and, and exposed the sin. I was telling the young people in devotion last Friday, why did the prophet expose the sin of David? Was it to make him feel bad, or because God loved him? That's why the prophet was sent to tell David, you've sinned because God loved him. Okay, I'll talk to this camera. Because God loved him. That's who he was. He, he believed God. And, and David, though he was in sin, he was beloved of the Lord. Though David had made a terrible, terrible mistake, he had killed a man. Or sent him out to be killed. And, and and he had done so much rottenness. But yet God still loved him. Showing the election of God. As God had said, I sought me a man after my own heart. He told that to Saul. And, and David was that man. And, and so when David comes to the song of repentance. Which was his prayer of repentance in Psalms chapter 51. He, sa- he says, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness. That word loving kindness is quite a representation. But I'll just say it this way. According to your love for me. Not according to who I am or my mistake or what I deserve. But rather look at the love you had for me back in the beginning. I know. And he goes on in that same psalm and says. And says I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And so so he's describing his own viewpoint of his own self. And many times that's how we look at ourselves, isn't it? I was born in sin. I, I, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm so full of mistakes. I, I got all of this fleshliness that I got to deal with. I got scars of the past. I got things that happened in my life. I got all of this stuff that the devil likes to remind me of back in my history back here and all of those things but yet in the midst of all of that lord i'm not asking you to have mercy or feel sorry for me because of these things rather i pray you'd have mercy on me because you love me because i was in your love before the foundation of the world lord don't remember my mistakes even david would say in another song remember not the sins of my youth Uh, don't remember the things that I've done, but go back before that. Go back before I was born. Go back to the place I was in your mind that you're bringing me back to. Hallelujah. You're redeeming me. You cannot be redeemed unless you were deemed in the first place. So Lord, back when you deemed me in your thoughts, take me back there. Remember me and let there be mercy upon me for that reason. Not because I'm a special guy. 
Not because I, I, I lived so well or never made a mistake in my life or never said anything wrong or anything like that. But Lord, remember me by your own thoughts. Hallelujah. That's the way we have to be in our lives. Lord, remember us. Take me back. And that's what, what God was revealing to Jacob in that he was bringing him to a place. Listen, I know you look at yourself and, and you, you've devised certain mechanisms with which to get through life. And this is the biggest mistake we can make. In this Laodicean age, we all learn things that we can use to get by in life without trusting God. We, well, I know if I do this, or if I know if I maneuver this way, or I know if I work things like this, it'll work out for me. And I've learned the, whether it be the government system, or I've learned the, the, the work, the, at work, or I've learned amongst the family, or I've learned with my parents how to behave a certain way, or I've learned this or that. Listen, saints, you've got to let go of those things. God was saying to Jacob, you're not Jacob. You're not a shyster. You don't need those things. You can let go of those things because your name is written on my book before the foundation of the world. You're actually a prince that has power with God. Just ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. It's a promise that I made for you. It's given for you. There's something in your presence. There's something in your person that's written in the Lamb's book of life that God is wanting to reveal to you. That's why the message applies in every area of our life. It doesn't just apply, well, I believe I'm saved and I've been baptized in, in the name of Jesus Christ and I've been filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm going with the rapture and everything else i got to figure out. No, it applies in every area of our lives. Whether you're a husband or a wife, whether you're a mother or a father or a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, whether you're alone or with a family, it doesn't make no difference. It applies in every area of your life. What's important is not your earthly name or your earthly character or your earthly, um, your earthly molding, but what matters is God's name for you, what you are on the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Before we were a sinner, we were eternal in the thoughts of God. That means something. If you can walk by that revelation, it'll mean a lot to your life. It meant a lot to Jacob's life. Before he was a supplanter, a shyster, as Brother Brown says. Afterwards, He's a prince. What changed him? Wrestling with God. Coming to the revelation. That's not who you are. This is who you are. What you grew up with is not who you are. This is who you are. What you went through with your family is not who you are. The revelation contained under the seals is who you are. It's the mysteries that God has made known for you personally. In Christ, the mystery of God revealed, Brother Branham says it this way. He says, Christ in you makes him the center of life of the revelation, see? Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Now we can gloss over that and we, it's, it's very easy to do. And, and, uh, let it become common to us. Christ in me makes him the center of the revelation. But what is the revelation? The revelation is what we're about. 
So Christ in me is what it's all about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. God was manifested in the flesh. It was manifested in the flesh of the bridegroom 2,000 years ago, manifested in the flesh of the bride today. Amen. She is him. We make that statement. She is him. But why is she him? Because she's a part of the Lamb's book of life as the Lamb is the Lamb's book of life. She's a part of him. She is him manifested in the hour of her manifestation. He says, Christ in the Bible makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. See what God's trying to do? What is the new birth then? You say, well, Brother Bradham, what is the new birth? Amen, Brother Tom. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. It's the pulling back of the seals so you can see yourself because he is the book. And so it's the revealing of your part in that book. God making himself known through your individual life. Education can make you a teacher. Education can make you an engineer. Education can make you an electrician. Education can make you a welder. Education can make you a lot of things. And it's not just education of school. It's the school of hard knocks sometimes that make you into something. Education can mold your life into a certain something. But God doesn't make you into something. God shows you who you always were in his thoughts. Jacob didn't become a prince. He always was a prince. And the angel just revealed it to him at the moment he was ready to receive it. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? God's molding our lives. We're not doing it. Don't don't be fearful. Go, oh, when am I going to get the revelation? No, just walk with God. There'll be many. There was many experiences for Jacob. It took this one to give him his name. But he he met with God back at Bethel. Back when when he had a stone for a pillow. And he saw the ladder uh, ascend up into heaven. And the angels ascending and descending. That was a revelation. That was God dealing with him. In another place... You know, he, he, he met with God. Well, he says at the beginning of chapter 32, the angels of the Lord be, saw him after he left his uncle. And then all of a sudden he, he, he said, Oh, this is the host of the Lord. And he called this Mahanaim. And so he met God there. But now it's a different meeting with God. There's different meetings with God along the way. But the purpose is to get you to the revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. We, we say collectively we are the bride. Collectively we are the elect of God. But yet in the midst of all that uh, collectiveness, if I can say it that way, there's an individual revelation for you personally. I'm looking at a certain sister on the screen here, and I don't want to call her name out, but I'll just say there, there's a certain something for you individually that God wants you to know who you are in His sight. 
He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily try to convince you who Brother Tim is in his sight. That's nice. Many people came to Brother Branham because they believed Brother Branham walked with God. Because they believed Brother Branham was the prophet to the age. And Brother Branham could pray for them. And God would hear Brother Branham's prayers. And that's all wonderful. And we believe in men of God. And we believe in praying with people. We believe in laying on of hands. We believe in all of those things. Those are all wonderful. But yet in the midst of all of that, God is trying to get to you who you are in His sight. Hallelujah. When you know who you are, it's the same as we say, when the bride knows who she is, she's an invincible army. When you know who you are, you're invincible to the devil. Hallelujah. They'll say, well, I'm just simple, Brother Tim. Well, if that's the way God made you, that's fine. But God's revealing who you are in his word. You'll say, well, I got these complexes and I got those. Well, don't look at those things. Look at what God made you. Say, well, my family, my wife, my husband, my relationship, my, my, I have these difficulties. I have the, no, 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 don't look there. Look at what the word promises. Let God take it. If it has to be layer by layer like an onion, and let God peel the layers off until you get right down to the, to the root of the matter. Get right down to the true nature of yourself. God revealing himself through the word to you personally. Hallelujah. Jacob prevailed with God. You're called to prevail with God. And that's what got me thinking about preaching. Who am I? To stand up here and even say these things. Who am I? What, what, what kind of a, I'm, I'm not, if you knew what I think of myself, you know, you, <laughs> you, you'd think, Brother Tim, you're too hard on yourself. But you know, you, you just stand here and you think, this is the eternal God of the heavens that made the universe that has given me a nugget to meditate on tonight, Brother Nathan. He's given me this nugget to meditate on. And it goes around and around in my being. And, and I, I don't even like to say in my mind. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how it goes. In my heart, in my mind, in my thoughts, in my revelation. It just goes around and around. And as it goes around and around, it picks up a channel over here. And it picks up a channel over there. And it picks up a thought over here. And it begins to identify until, until it just begins to... to uh, uh, anchor itself within my heart and go, that's nothing but the truth. That's nothing but a reality. That's more real than going to work in the morning. That's more real than any ache in my body. That's more real than any, any, uh, opposition I have in my life. It's more real than any misunderstanding that I have. It's more real than anything. This is the reality of God as He makes it known within my life. That's why one, sometimes just one sentence can mean so much. Like the angels telling Jacob, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. As a prince, you have wrestled with God and prevailed. You have power with God and with man. I, I'm going to have to call the musicians up because I'm out of time. I'm not out of word, but I'm out of time. I praise the Lord. In the pressure of the moment, Jacob trying to figure everything out, God sent a message by an angel. You might feel under pressure today. Your life is not normal. <laughs> I don't have to have much discernment to say that. We're all under pressure today. It's a pressure-packed age. It was pressure-packed before this. 
virus arrived. Now it's even more pressure packed. It's just a continual pressure. Some of, some of us, uh, maybe feel it more than others. But I want to say in the midst of the pressure, God sends wrestling your way. God wants you to wrestle it out and hold to the promise and say, Lord, you're in control. And watch God come on the scene. You might feel like, well, I need a job. I need God to open the door. I, I was in a situation, I'll just share this for the glory of God. I was in a situation very young. When I first, and I was in Dawson Creek for, this would be now my third year in Dawson Creek. So that means I, that would be 1988. That's a while ago. And I was, I was looking to the Lord, knowing that it was His will for me not to move, but not knowing when I should leave the bank where I had my career. But I had convinced, I had, I had, I had, uh, I had promised the Lord that when a certain something happened within the bank, that would be a sign to me that I was to put in my resignation. And in the meantime, I was looking for work. Okay, Dawson Creek, those of you that know Dawson Creek, some of you know Dawson Creek. Dawson Creek is a middle of nothing, is a nothing in the middle of nothingness. Okay, that's what Dawson Creek is. It's like a, uh, it's like a small town that's been there forever, but never really became everything, anything. Never grew up, you might say. You know, it's just a dwarf. So anyway, um, not a lot of work there. It's even less back then than it is now. And, and as I was looking for jobs and applying for jobs and looking this way and looking that way and nothing opened up. I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? But I'd promised the Lord when this happened, this is what I'm going to do. Now that's got to be real to you. It can't be just you make it up. Well, I'm going to just throw this out there. And then if it happens, I'll know that. No, you better know for sure it's God. And, uh, and so as I'm, I'm just looking to the Lord one day, it happens. Bang, and I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of a meeting with the manager, actually. And right in the middle of the meeting with the manager, and he says the exact words that I said. If he says these words, I'm out of here. And he says them. And I said, you'll have my resignation on your desk tomorrow morning. He's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. We, I, I, we want to promote you. We want to move you ahead. We want to do this. We want to do that. We've got plans for you all this. I said, no, it's over. It's over. You'll have my resignation on your desk tomorrow. And he was shocked. Quite frankly, I think I was shocked. But uh, nevertheless, we, we did that. That was, I think it was Thursday, Friday. I put the resignation in. Friday night, I went home. Now talk about pressure. Pressure. I got a family. I got a home, I got all of that. I don't, I didn't make that much money anyway, but I thought, well, this is it. So I just got down to pray. I started wrestling with the Lord. And as I wrestled with the Lord, finally I heard that still small voice say, don't worry. And these are the words he said, I'm working on something. I thought, well, that was a strange statement, but I'll take that as from the Lord. Got up. Perfectly satisfied. That's it. I'm done. And so Friday weekend goes by. Monday morning, I get a call. I'm still working at the bank. I put in my resignation because although I did what I promised God I would do, I gave them 60 days notice (laughs) because I was scared. (laughs) I was really scared because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so uh, I wasn't, I wasn't being a big hero. 
But I thought, well, you know, that's, at least it'll give me 60 days to find something. I don't know. Monday morning, I go back to the bank and I get a call. It says, and it was someone for a job that I had applied for previously, but they had filled the job. And so I got a call and he said, we actually are going to reopen the job and we want you to come in for an interview the next day. So Tuesday, I went in for an interview and the first words they said to me was, We'd like to offer you the job. Who did that? God did that. That was so supernatural, actually, that someone at Canada Employment, I just felt like somebody needed this for their own job situation. Somebody at Canada Employment, who I had witnessed to, phoned me and said, did you get that job through us when they heard that I got the job? I said, well, I think I originally back in the day put my application in there, but I don't know if you'd call for that. I says, I told him, I says, actually, I want to tell you, I says, God gave me that job. He says, actually, there's more to that than you know, and I'd actually like to come over and hear what you believe. Why? God keeps his promise. God will never fail you. He might put you into a situation that seems uncertain and you got to wrestle it out, but you hold to that promise. God will always keep his word. Amen. Let's sing a song. Uh, that song Brother Michael taught us, I think, maybe, or maybe it was an old song, Have Your Way, Have Your Way. I, I couldn't get the song program in the back to work, so I don't know the number or the key or anything. Have Your Way. Um, there is... Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and have your way as we wait, as we pray. Speak your word into our hearts and have your way. Amen. Since I heard, I think it was Brother Michael that taught that or brought that, wasn't it? And uh, I don't remember, but it's kind of been going over and over in my heart since that time. So sometimes a little song can mean so much. Let's, if you want to stand, why don't you stand with me as we're going to close the service. And make that your prayer. You know, David's psalms were prayers. And, uh, you know, he would sing them, but really he was praying them. And they were confessions, and they were worship, and they were prayers. So as we sing this, why don't you make that your personal confession tonight? Maybe you're in a situation at home. Maybe you're not the type of person that likes to sing out at home. Sometimes it can get pretty quiet at our house. And... uh you know, I even, I love that song that you love, Brother Tom, uh, that says, you know, as we lift our hands to worship and magnify your name. We sang that here the other day, and and I do what I always do. I can't sing the words and not do it. You know, I'm just at home, and as we lift our hands to worship and magnify your name, and, and as I did, I noticed I was the only one raising my, oh, sorry, family, sorry to sell you on this. But I was the only one raising my hand. So the next time we came to those words, I shouted out those words. As we lift our hands, praise the Lord, the revelation came down. And the family got in the spirit. So sometimes you need to get in the spirit even at home. And make this your prayer now. Have your way, Lord. Close your eyes for a moment. Forget about what lays just ahead. Just make it your prayer. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. You know my situation but have your way. I'm committing this situation to you. I'm committing this need to you. I'm claiming your promise, Lord. Have your way. Let's sing that together. Oh, have your way.
gotta get together. Oh, have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit, fill our hearts. Have your way. Oh, as we wait. Yes, Lord, we're waiting. together. He's an individual God. He's touched by the individual feeling of your infirmities. He's the high priest of your individual confession. He knows you better than you know yourself. And his one objective in breaking the word is not to make a church so full of the depths of revelation and understanding that that they might claim some kind of knowledge that's not his purpose his purpose is to show you who you are in his thoughts that's his desire if you just want something from God tonight as we pray you just make that known to him whatever it might be heavenly father Lord, I just believe that you are a God of the individual, Lord. That you don't have a seminary experience for us, Lord. You don't have a church experience for us, Lord. You don't have a cookie-cutter experience for us, Father. But you have an individual experience for each and every one, Lord. You've called us Lord, to be ourselves, not to be what we think of ourselves, but to be what we were in your mind before the foundation of the world. Lord, strip away the devil's deceivableness. Strip away every spiritual amnesia, Lord. Take away all the blinders of of the onslaught of the age and the influences of the age, Lord. And I pray rather that, Lord, you'll open your word afresh to every son and daughter of God tonight. Let the weak take their position. Let the seed have life within itself, O God, to bring itself into position, O God. It was that seed gene that was within Jacob that would not leave him be Jacob, was not satisfied with being Jacob. One day, Lord, you brought the truth of that seed gene of who he was in your sight. Lord, I pray that you'll break through to every son and daughter of God. If there be a devil working on somebody, we rebuke him tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. We deny the devil. We deny the working of the enemy. He is defeated 2,000 years ago. And we claim every redemptive blessing through the blood paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have everything that we have need of. We love you and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Amen. I was talking, I was thinking just before the service, I had to actually text my wife. And just before the service, I was in the office and I said, what's the words to that verse of that song that you sing that says, is anything too hard for God? If she was here tonight, I'd actually get make her get up and sing it. But uh, she wouldn't like me for that, but that's okay. And uh, the verse starts out, it's out of your hands. You've done all you can do. You've given God the problem. It's no longer up to you. You've prayed the prayer of faith. You're standing on God's word. While you're waiting on the answer, he has a question for you. And that brings in the chorus. Is anything too hard for God? I couldn't sing it. Nothing's too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for him. He, let's sing that little chorus. He is my everything. He is my all. Would you sing that with me tonight? You maybe gave him everything. You may be committed to him. Now stand. God just has one question. Same question he asked Sarah. Same question he asked, I think it was Jeremiah. Is anything too hard for God? I say nothing's too hard for God. Amen. Are you with me tonight? Nothing is too hard for God. He is our everything. Amen. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my Wednesday night so you're dismissed as the musicians will keep playing you can keep singing you can do whatever you feel led may the Lord give you abundantly a wonderful week Friday night young people's at seven o'clock Sunday two services Lord willing God bless you you're dismissed in Jesus name